Hi, welcome to Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You Channel. My name is Michelle. Before I get into it today, what I want to say is that we serve a whosoever will God, meaning he's never been exclusive. He's always been inclusive. He died for the entire world. The entire world is everybody, is the entire human race. And so to the extent, regardless of where you are in your walk, whether you believe, you don't believe, or whatever the situation is, you are welcome to, you are welcome to listen here. Uh, we, what I ask, what God expects, is that we treat each other with decency and respect regardless of where we are. We, we, we love him unconditionally and that, therefore, we can love others unconditionally. So you are welcome here. Um, and so anything that um, anyone has told you that seemingly excludes you from the love of God. First of all, I want to apologize for that and repent of that. Um, that is not my position. It should not be any of our positions, but I wanted to make that clear that this is a, even though it, it might be primarily for those in some ways, uh, primarily for those who are already believers, the fact of the matter is we all need the, we all need the love of God. We all need to understand how he operates so that even of the, uh, those of you that may be in a valley of decision, or a backslidden position, or you're struggling in your faith, you know that God still loves you. And every day that we wake up, we have the opportunity to make it right with him. Um, so you don't owe me anything <laughs> you, 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 in terms of accountability. I'm just here to share the information that I know the Holy Spirit has given me to share uh, with, with, with you. So just know that this is a whosoever will podcast. This is not intended in any way, shape, or form to exclude, but to help all of us understand the extent or to get a grip on, at least to some degree, a grip on the level of his inclusion. So welcome and thank you for joining me. Today, I'm continuing the series on the Boaz syndrome, the Boaz syndrome. And in case you haven't had a chance, I, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to parts one and parts two. Uh, I am about to start part three, but I want to do a quick recap. So in, we're going to hop right into it the Boaz syndrome. So going back um, chapter one, we set the stage for, and, and the Lord gave me the title, the Boaz syndrome, because generally when that is used, it's used very, maybe with the right heart, but lacking understanding. Um, we seek to get things. We seek the Lord's outcomes without the Lord's work. We seek the Lord's outcomes without understanding his principles, and that's not how it works. Study to show yourself approved. So we can't lay claim to anything that we're not willing to follow the steps for. So in chapter one, what we see is an account of a family coming out of Bethlehem, Judah, into the country of Moab very clearly, two different places. So when we talk about cultural understanding, cultural heritage, understanding, misunderstanding, whatever the case might be, we're being shown right here that God is inclusive, and, I'll, and I'll, we'll get back to that. Or if actually, if you listen to the first and or second uh, episode, you will hear that. While they're in Moab, the husband dies. The two sons had taken wives, wives of the Moabites, people, and those sons then also die. At the end of the day, you have the woman and her two daughters-in-law left, returning now into Bethlehem, Judah, because she's at a place in her life where she sees 
that she she doesn't she doesn't have any hope left. She feels like God is now against her, has turned his hand from her. I know we've all been there. You feel as if God has abandoned you. You feel as if this is it. There's nothing left for me. Uh, and so she encourages her daughters-in-law not to follow her. Basically, your life is here. This is your country. This is your land. This is your people. You've done, you did right by my, my sons. You did right by me and my husband. I'm going to encourage you. You still have life left in you. I don't have any life left in you. That's basically what she's saying. One leaves, at the end of the day, one leaves, not out of spite, not out of anything, but because she, in her heart, that was what she believed she needed to do. And I, and I want to make the point here that leaving isn't always about being upset. Leaving isn't always about, we, got, we had a beef. See, we don't know how to disagree with, uh, without being upset. We don't know how to do that. But that's not the Lord's way. We can be, and he can be. But ideally, what we want is the best for the other person. Bless. And this is, again, continuing in the series, pivoting out of cursing into blessing. And if we're, gonna, if we're going to, since we are in a season of blessing, if we don't pivot into it, then we're left with the other. Blessing is life. Cursing is death. That's what it manifests in our lives. You have to determine, just as I have to determine each and every day, which way we're going to go. So she decides. The mother-in-law, Naomi, says, I need you to go back to your country. My, the, in my heart, the best for you is to go back to your people. So she's not telling them not to go because she doesn't love them. She's telling them to go because she does love them. One of them, Orpah, chooses to go back to her country or to stay in her country. Ruth, on the other hand, chooses. And you see the manifestation of the covenant of God between Ruth and Naomi. Naomi says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Let nothing but death separate us. Does that sound like anything? The marriage covenant? And so they end up back in... Bethlehem, Judah, the house of bread and the land of praise. And Naomi is bitter. She's mourning. She's grieved. She feels as if what God had once had for her, she can no longer attain. So that's, go back and read. Now you can listen to the episode or you can just read it or you can do both. Ruth 1. Ruth 2, which we're going to continue in today, is the meeting, how the meeting came about between Ruth and Boaz. The key here is that Ruth was not looking for a man. Boaz was not looking for a husband. Boaz was not looking for a wife. There are some things that took place that brought them together as husband and wife. But this story is more about the honoring in the restoration of Naomi through the marriage of Ruth to Boaz. When she went out to the field, she didn't go looking for her husband. She, looked, she went hoping to find a field that she could glean in. There's a custom, the custom of gleaning, which we don't understand today because we think that everybody's supposed to have their own. 
And the fact of the matter is that God hasn't hasn't has made it such that everybody doesn't have their own. Why? Because it's all a test for us, those of us that have anything. We'll talk more about that in a different segment. But everybody's not supposed to have their own. And if they do have their own, they're not supposed to look the same as yours. Why? Because it's a test for you. It's a test for me. I may not have everything, but what I do have, I can give. When we give to the poor, we are loaning to God. That's a principle. The poor you will always have with you, he says. So why are we expecting something different? The poor you will always have with you. Do you know why we always have poor with you? Because we're always, uh, we're always being tested about how we use our resources. If we have an abundance or more than an abundance, if we have a superabundance, if we have even more than what we need and we don't give to the poor, we don't have an opportunity to give to the poor. See, it's all a test. It's a test of character. And we, mis- we misread God and we presume to know things about him that actually are not true. But he's checking hearts all the time. He knows what he's given. And he knows where it is. The test is if we are in obedience and submission to him enough to get what he's given us to where it needs to be. doesn't mean we won't have enough. See, we think that he has to take from us to give to somebody else. No, he can provide for 100% of 100%. He can provide for 100% of the need for 100% of the people. And anything less than that, any, anything that tells us that he cannot means that we are saying he's not God. What happens is we get to like the things we get. We think we need it based on our limited myopic knowledge. He says, nope, I gave it to you. I'm going to tell you what to do with it. That's, the, that's part of the purpose of blessing, by the way. Because anybody you see in Scripture, and I'm, I will get back to this in a second. This is, it is part of the principle. Anyone that you see that is willing to give is also blessed. It's not an either-or situation. But there is obedience first. Obedience comes before the blessing. And actually the blessing is in the obedience. The deliverance is in the obedience. The life is in the, ble- the obedience. The love is in all of it is tied together. It is not these separate sections of things we think we're supposed to do. It's one thing. It's love for God. And as we receive then love from God, we can then love our neighbors. Our neighbors are not those that live down the street. They're the ones that are human adjacent. We are adjacent in our humanity. That means everybody that lives that's on this planet right now. He died for all, and that's what we have to consider. So we see the situation where the gleaning, the custom of gleaning is taking place, where those who have abundant crops leave enough for those who do not have anything or little can come behind and get sufficient for their own needs. It's the same thing we see in the Old Testament when uh, the manna fell from heaven. Take what you need and don't try to take more or it's going to rot. What did they do? They tried to take more. Nothing has changed. It's just different characters. Scenery has changed, but we're doing the same thing today that we were when the manna was flowing from heaven. The manna is still flowing from heaven. It may not look the same, but we're still doing the same things. So understand the principles that are here. We're supposed to still be gleaning. If I have more than enough, then I'm supposed to be able. Not able. I have been able. I I am enabled and empowered to give to the poor. He says the poor you're always going to have with you. Not because they – not because, excuse me. Not because 
they want to be poor necessarily, but because that's the situation I have them in at the present time to test you. It doesn't mean they're, they're always going to be poor. He says the poor, some level of poor, some level of impoverished, impoverished person, spirit, soul, or body will always be with you. He's saying, I'm making sure of that. Otherwise, you don't have an opportunity to give. You don't have to have an opportunity to learn how to give. Doesn't mean it's the same people, although that's what we've made it to be. So when we talk about gleaning, we're talking about a custom that recognized the fact that the poor were always going to be with you. So it was a custom established by the Lord through his people to say, hey, just recognize everybody doesn't have what you have. Boaz was a wealthy man. Ruth was not a wealthy woman by any stretch. She and Naomi were just barely making it. She was in the field because she wanted to make sure that Naomi had something to eat. So even her being in the field was a result of her desiring the best for Naomi, not the best for herself. Excuse me, I should have gotten some water before I started talking. But anyway, please walk with me and please bear with me. So chapter 2, which was in uh, part 2 of this, talks about the meeting and all of the provision that Boaz made for Ruth. Mind you, they're not husband and wife yet. They're not married yet. But it's showing the humility of Ruth and the righteousness of Boaz, even before marriage. So I think the last, when I I finished uh, before, we were in chapter 2, verse 12. So we're going to start at chapter 2, verse 13. Then she, Ruth, said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, talking to Boaz, for that you have comforted me and, and because, for that, because you have comforted me and have spoken friendly unto your handmaid, though I be not like, though I'm not like the handmaids of your household. So she, right there, she's talking about her, her, her upbringing, her culture, her heritage. This is inclusion we're talking about right here. You've done these things for me, although I'm not like you. And Boaz said to her, at mealtime, you can come here and you can get something to eat. I'm not going to go into all of the language. It talks about eat of the bread and dip, dip your morsel in the vinegar. This is all custom. He's speaking in terms of how they ate. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn and she did eat or gave to her parched corn and she was full and left in the king james it says sufficed full and left and when she rose up again to glean following after the reapers getting the leftovers but understand this is not our version of leftovers this is the kind of leftovers we would eat this is still quality It's not as much as a full harvest. It may not even be enough for a bushel, but it was enough for her and Naomi to have something to eat that day. Still quality. So the poor don't get the leftovers like, well, I wouldn't eat it, so I'm going to give it to the poor. The poor got the best, but not as much of it. That's That's a principle of the Lord. When he talks about the poor, he's not talking about, oh, they didn't do their thing. Throw them your scraps. He's saying 
make sure you leave quality so that even if they don't have as much, they have quality. They're getting the same thing you're getting, maybe just not as enough, enough of it. That's a principle. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. So into the fuller, the fullness of the harvest, he's saying, if you all leave things behind, don't. if she goes into that, the area that's not the four corners, because gleaning was generally the four corners, she, he says, even if she goes into an area that's not the four corners, the, fuller, the fullness of the harvest, don't say anything to her. Don't treat her badly. Don't reproach her. Don't get on her case. Don't put her in check. And let fall also some handfuls of purpose. And leave them that she may glean them. So give her even more. So he's setting all of this up. And he's told us in the word, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, and Boaz answered, this is, I'm, I'm backing up just a little bit to understand why he's doing this. So she's dem- demonstrating her humility, her loyalty, her commitment, and her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. Her humility to, toward Boaz for allowing her to glean in his field. He sa- she says, in verse 10, she says, how have I found this grace in your sight? And he says, it has been fully shown to me what you have done for your mother-in-law. Boaz was connected to Naomi through her husband. So understand the connections that are being made here, and you will understand the principles that God is laying out for us. This isn't about Ruth going to find a man. This is about Ruth nurturing, taking care of, ensuring that whatever she can do for her mother-in-law, she's doing. She had a role and a part to play. She was led by God to do these things. She was in covenant through her husband with her mother-in-law. So God is favoring her because of her commitment and her loyalty and the nurturing and the care and the love she's demonstrated to her mother-in-law. Now understand. Understand the principle, not just the circumstance, not just the event. It doesn't mean for those that are single, and this story most definitely is not just for women. Just understand that. Most definitely is not just for women. There are principles here that apply on both sides and in general, but more importantly, they apply to us, those of us who claim to believe as the bride of Christ. This is a picture of Christ and the church. If we look at the specifics, you you can say that, well, she, she had a husband previously and now, no, okay, yes, she did. That doesn't mean that every person who is single right now has to have a mother-in-law. The principle still applies. The covenant of God is prevailing here. The only reason Ruth is connected is through the covenant she made with her husband, who was Naomi's son. So whether in, in, in your real circumstance, you have been married, were married, or no longer married, You're single, whatever the reason. What is your proverbial mother-in-law? What is the thing you're supposed to be doing, the person you're supposed to be looking at, a person or people uh, looking after? Where are you supposed to be committed, and are you fully committed to God in that thing? 
That's the principle. The principle is not that you, her name is Naomi, her name has to be Naomi, you have to have a mother-in-law. No, that's, that's minutia. That happens to be this event. But the greater principle is that when we are focused on humbling ourselves, turning from our wicked ways, and following the Lord, where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your God will be my God, the key. When we are focused on God in a way that we are functioning in the purpose for which he called us, we are led of his spirit, he's going to put us in positions. I don't mean just title by, by titles. I mean circumstances, situations, where we are supposed to be tending to his business, not looking out for ourselves per se. That is a struggle for us. I understand it. I go through it all the time, just like you do. But that is not supposed to be our focus. Our focus is supposed to be looking out, blessing, and being a blessing to others. Wanting the best for someone else is what the Lord uses to position us the way he needs us to be positioned. He knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega and everything in between, which means that when we agree with him, we are going to end up in spaces we don't, number one, don't know where we're going, may not want to be there. I am a witness. But we are committed to the Lord's will. And that's what you see here. You see Ruth committed to the Lord's will and wanting the best for Naomi. Then you see her ending up in a place she didn't know where she was going. She was not looking for a man, was not looking for a, a man, let alone a husband. She ended up there. That's why you get the whole thing, and there was a man, Elimelech. I mean, from a, uh, a, uh, her husband, kinsman of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. That's why you have that in verse 1. It's a setup to tell us this story. So we have to understand, when I want the best for you, regardless, if I, if I look around here and I say, well, I need this, 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 and this, that's great. They may still be needs, not wants. I'm not, in, I'm not on wants. The Lord provides all we need according to his riches. He will give us as bonus, because sometimes what we need, we don't even know what we need. Right? So when we, even when we do that, we limit him a, a, a great a deal more than we think. What I'm saying here is that look at the situation. Read the account. The account is true. But the principle is the greater thing. That's what the Lord is pointing us to. We can't have the outcome without the work. Are you, who's, who, aside, even aside from your, your own family and those that you love and know, are you committed to the best God's? has for everybody? Are we committed to that? That's how she ended up in the field. Now, in her case, it was making sure they had enough food. What is your thing? We always talk about, I don't know what my purpose is. Well, are you humble? Have you humbled yourself before God? Have you repented and turned from your wicked ways daily, at least once a day? Are you letting yourself be led of the Spirit, or are you telling yourself that you're being led of the Spirit? What spirit is operating in you at any given moment? And it can change. The spirit of dirt is at enmity with the spirit of God in us. We should be get, getting better by the day if we allow Holy Spirit to lead us in that way. But what ended up, what, how she ended up in the field is because she was committed and covenanted to Ruth, looking out for her best interests. 
And that's what Boaz was taking notice of. So then, since Ruth is looking after Naomi, we've already seen that Boaz is a righteous man, so God is now using Boaz to repay Ruth for her kindness to Naomi, her love and her kindness, her unconditional love. So she gleaned, Ruth gleaned in the field until it was evening and beat out, she, you know, processed whatever the processing uh, was that took place of what she gleaned. And it was about an ephah of barley. According to the notes in the King James, it was about 0.65 bushel. And she took it up and went into the city and her mother-in-law saw that she had, saw what she had gleaned and brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was full. So Ruth did eat. But she gave a great deal of it to her mother-in-law. And, and her mother-in-law said unto her, well, where did you go today? Where did you glean today? And where did you work? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of you. And she told, it says in the King James, showed. So anytime you say showed, it's not necessarily a revelation. It's a, a, a revelation by words, a revelation not just in a vision, but a revealing of words, a revealing of what has been heard, a revealing of what has been thought or felt or shared. So it says, I was showed or told. She showed or she recounted for her mother-in-law. That the man who she worked with, and not directly with him. You heard him giving instructions to other people. So she's not working directly with him. She's working with, he's, she's working with the reapers, but he is present as the overseer. And Naomi, and, and he told him it was Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. So he was a relative, remember, of Naomi's husband. So he's honoring his family lineage and also now directly taking care of his wife, Naomi, his, his, his dead relative's wife. And Naomi said unto her, the man is near of kin to us, one of our next kinsmen. So very close, um, it says kinsmen, kinsmen, so likely not a brother, but very close. And Ruth the Moabitess said, he said unto me also, you shall keep fast by my young men until they had ended all my harvest. And Naomi, remember, they entered the city at the beginning of barley harvest. So just when they were getting started. So they're at the beginning of the harvest season, just in time for them to get food. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest, end of wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. So I'm not going to go into verse 3. I'm not going to get there today. But I want you to commit to this. I want you, when you read the scripture, read the stories for what they are. Read the accounts of what is happening with these individuals for what they are. But don't limit the accounts of what is happening to 
what you want to get out of the situation. So, for instance, understand that every miracle requires work. Every miracle requires obedience. Every miracle requires humility. Every miracle. You can ask for a miracle or become the miracle. Becoming the miracle. We like to ask, I want a miracle. But there is something involved with, even to the extent where I experienced healing supernaturally after being told that I was not going to live. But I still had to endure and follow the instructions of the medical practitioners, the licensed physicians, and everyone else involved in that process. Because I wasn't going to go to the hospital. I'm just going to be honest with you. I did not want to go. I said to the Lord, you know what? You can heal me without all of that. And he says, no, but this, we're, going to, we're going to go through this because people need to see a miracle. And you know how we are. Well, I'm going to tell you how I am. Really, Lord? Right? Really? But that's where he is. That's what he does for people. And for years, and even today, probably if I saw some of them, that's our miracle. That's what they said about me. When I came, when I went back, and even when they saw saw my parents elsewhere, how's our miracle doing? When I went back to after after I was healed, and I went back to the hospital, they didn't even recognize me. Would I have ever put myself in that situation? Of course, I wouldn't have, and neither would you. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, to be honest with you. But God knows. He knows what people need. And so it's okay to want to be obedient and submitted and repentant. But don't think that means we know everything. At the end of the day, what we're being shown in any aspect of these stories is the difference between blessing and cursing. It's the difference between a life that is blessed by God, by his presence. God is light. God is light. God is love. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We got life all over the place. Then why are we living in such a desperate, diminished, destructive cycle of death? This is not what you see here. You're seeing restoration. In the natural, yes, you see a woman and a man coming together as husband and wife, but the intent has nothing to do with them looking for that. The intent is that they were seeking the best for their family members in this case. They were seeking the best for someone else. They were blessing someone else, being a blessing to someone else. And as a result, God then continued to bless them. And one of the ways that happened was in marriage, which we'll see later between Ruth and Boaz. But that's not what they were seeking. It doesn't mean we can't have desires. Come on now. It doesn't mean we can't have desires. It means we can't be calculated and manipulative and trying to make the situation what what we want it to be. It means that blessing 
is first blessing God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Why is you is implied? I am implied in that statement. Who's who, who, love the who, who is that? Love the Lord your God. That's me and you. Then love your neighbors yourself. Who is that? Me and you. What we receive, what we give of God, what we give to God is what he's going to bless and send back, give back to us by the power of his spirit. Then what does he expect us to do with that? Spirit, soul, and body. I don't care whether it's a spiritual resource, a soul resource, or a natural or material resource. He expects us to want to do good for someone else. He will ensure that we are taken care of. That's what this story is about. That's what this account of this family is about. I'm not sure if I'm going to go into chapter 3. To, 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 like I said, when I started, I don't know what the Lord is doing with this. But we're on spiritual principles, pivoting out of cursing into blessing. And you don't have to, it doesn't have to be conniving. You don't have to be conniving. You don't have to be calculating. You don't have to be scheming. All you have to do is submit. All you have to do is be willing to do the will of the Lord. All you have to do is be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. All you have to do is say, you know what, I'm jacked up. You know what, I'm messed up. You know what, I, don't, I thought I had this right, but I don't have it together at all. You know what, I thought my life was supposed to look like this, but it doesn't look anything like this. This is what you're seeing. Naomi left full, came back empty. She says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because I'm bitter. There are so many layers of things we think we get and we just don't get. So where I'm supposed to end today, based on what I'm sensing right now in the spirit, is this. You're not supposed to go looking. Women, you're not supposed to go looking for Boaz. And Boaz generally will not be just standing around waiting for a wife to walk by. I mean, we're, we're good at being led of our senses. Don't get me wrong. I've been there too. We're good at being led of our senses. So we see uh, someone that, that looks attractive to us, and we want to connect with that person in some way. It doesn't have to always be sexual. Sometimes it's just, hey, how you doing? Right? We've all been down that road. So I'm not trying to act like that doesn't exist, and you shouldn't either. But at some point, we have to believe in God enough to say, number one, he knows who he has for us. And we have, to, we have to leave it in the sand. A sensual or sexual hookup is not the same as what we see in this scripture. He was righteous before he found Ruth. She, Ruth, was a wife before Boaz saw her. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. The woman as a wife who becomes a wife or is in the process of wife, it doesn't mean that she has to be married previously. Their wife is a character issue, is a character. It's a character development. 
a nurturer, someone who loves, someone who wants to take care of the people in her life. Even if they're not family, even if they're not related, she wants to take care of people and help. She wants the best for them. That's a wife. That person is not going to mistreat her husband. At the same time, if she has the right heart, he is going to, as a righteous man, is going to recognize that and want to protect that heart. It's the picture, ultimately, of Christ. Keep your lamps alight, maidens, for he will come. So you have a righteous man and in God's sight a righteous woman who then are allowed to come together by the power of God. And then there is restoration to Naomi. He did not leave her bitter. He did not leave her mourning. Read it. Read it for the principles. Understand that yes, there is a natural layer that shows us these things, but more importantly, understand the supernatural, the spiritual layer that God is showing us about who these people were before they were ever in the same place together. Equal yoking. Do not be unequally yoked. Equal yoking. They were that before they came together. A loving woman is not going to treat her husband badly. A righteous husband is not going to treat his wife badly. Doesn't mean they won't have challenges, disagreements. But our intent toward God, their intent toward God, look for that. Read it. Find it yourself. I can read it. I can share it with you. I can provide the information and the revelation I'm getting from the Spirit, but I can't live it for you. You can't live it for me. We've got to study to show ourselves approved, each of us. So understand how Ruth really got her man, quote, unquote. Understand that. Learn that. Embrace that. Then go back to humbling yourself, repenting, turning from your wicked ways, and not asking the Lord to lead you to another person per se, but to live his life by the power of the Spirit through you to bless all the families of the earth or to contribute to that, because that is his intent. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to be blessed. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a Holy Spirit You Channel podcast. If you haven't already, please share, like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. I do appreciate your time. I bless you. I agape love you. I appreciate your time and ask the Lord to bless you in it and to manifest himself in ways that you have not yet expected. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.